this episode we're going to be discussing, and now for a word, the Babylon 5 Season 2 episode, which is honestly easily in my top 10 favorite episodes of the series. I adore this episode. Um, the thing about this episode is that it's very experimental. Um, you know, B5 within of itself is an experiment. Experiment with serialized storytelling, experiment with playing with the mold of American television, what was capable um, using computer-generated effects, CGI in television, it was it had a lot of firsts. While certainly the news report as an episode is not a new phenomenon, um, it is rarely done enough where it, it it feels it feels experimental, and the way it's done is the the fact that we have not seen a whole lot of great directing in B5. While B5 is certainly well written and it has some passable directing, its directing is very bog standard television. A lot of, you know, uh, uh, shot, reverse shot, talking heads, um, very little in the way of interesting camera movements. It's basic coverage. And there is an occasional attempt to do something interesting. Um, and, uh, when it does work, it does work. However, for the most part, it's very generic TV. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Well, when you change things up, you get a bit more artistic, you go, uh, and, and you try new things, it freshens things up. Uh, it makes it more enjoyable to watch. Uh, and so this episode, by being framed as a news report, is able to play with its camera and play with perspective in a way that a normal episode of B5 doesn't. Um, and B5 will continue to do things like that. Not only will there be another episode that is framed by a news report, it's called The Illusion of Truth in Season 4, but there's also... Uh, several directors who try and play with the medium. There's a there's a very famous fight scene in season four where the director uh, used still photos intercut um, with the actual footage to uh, make the impacts of the blows feel more impactful. So B5 continues to experiment and now it's growing and, ex and expanding out from just the experiment of writing and playing with the medium of TV and is now playing with the, um, the camera and the style. Um, and it's really well done. I, that's what I love about this episode. Is it, it, it's a sort of a classic B5 episode. If I was to hand someone a Babylon 5 episode and go, here's the essence of what this show is, I would probably give them, like, this episode or Midnight on the Firing Line, you know, because the nature of this episode of being a news report, it's able to exposit and get us through introduction of characters, and while it furthers some plots uh, quite a bit, actually, it does it in a way that a new viewer could easily hop in. 
Uh, and this was intentional because we're starting to gear up. We're, we're you know, we're we're middle. We're, we're near the middle. Uh, we're past the middle of the season, and things are starting to heat up really, really bad. You know, it's gonna it's gonna get, you know, insane very soon. And and so because of just how frantic the pacing is gonna get very soon, we have to catch people up to speed who may just be tuning in. Um, it, it, and and I think this this episode in particular has so much of what I consider archetypical B five, then it definitely is a good jumping on point. I don't think you should. You should always start with the gathering. However, um, it does. If you're if someone tries to watch the gathering, you can't get into it. Maybe show them this episode and say this is what the show becomes. You know, and if they like it, then start showing them from the beginning again. You know, uh. It exemplifies what this show is in so many different ways. Character-driven political drama on a in, in big galactic changing events seen on a smaller, more human, more relatable scale. Um, the, uh, the, the, the big things I want to point out uh, is the, the this entire broadcast by ISN is done as a as a question basically as a does b5 need to continue being funded by earthgov um the entire thing is is that the budget of b5 has always been in question the babylon stations keep getting well you know blown up or disappearing randomly and this is the fifth one it was made on the cheap and the question of budget has been there since season one and came into uh main plot points in um in by any means necessary which speaking of which uh eduardo one of the main dock workers in that episode makes a cameo appearance in in this episode it's really nice to see him back it provides uh you know a human face to uh the lowly grunts uh working on b5 and connects to the budget issues of that episode. And then, it was, then there was the additional stuff from a few episodes ago about Shinovanova having to start paying for their quarters. Um, you know, the budget of Babylon 5 has always been in question. And now this news report is being done to ask the question, is Babylon 5 worth it? And it ultimately ends on a positive note saying, yeah, B5 struggles. Um, but it uh, but it does, it, it, it is necessary, uh, shared in speech at the end of, uh, create the world we want to live in, you know, uh, you know, you, you'll see, you'll see the ancestors before you think, make the world better, and we see our, you know, our descendants, you know, uh, saying, create the world that we will live in, uh, we, we, we're in the process of making the future, um, it's a great speech and a great way to end the episode, uh, and I, I like that this this entire this entire episode uh, while framed by a quote unquote un- unbiased objective reporter does ultimately look at things from a very political, a very biased side. She is certainly less biased than future reporters in this show. However, uh, Cynthia does take certain sides in the argument um for instance when senator quantrell is arguing oh we could have taken the membari you know the, in, in, this is always the case with any conflict at any hum, any point in human history you wait long enough 
for the dust to have settled and people will say we could have won you were thinking that with hindsight and hindsight is 2020 but you know what the thing is about hindsight it's biased because you see i did this wrong i could fix that that's great and all but he's blinded by patriotism he's towing the party line uh, Clark is in control, and all, and he's even set up a uh, a office of public morale, which is with is scary of itself. The idea that you the government will control how people feel, just thinking about that for a second, especially considering that he was sponsored by Psychor. Just think how scary that is for a second. Um, but the the idea that oh we could have won the 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 Earthman Party war. The Membardi outclass us on every technological level that we don't stand, we never stood a chance. We still don't stand a chance. And he's blinded by patriotism. He's towing the party line right now because Clark is in control. And who knows how he truly feels. If he truly feels that way, then fine. I don't agree with him. But he has to say certain things to keep himself out of the uh, targets of the new regime which has been slowly building and we even see that with uh, Cynthia when she's repeating back what he had said about that and, and, and Sheridan gives his excellent reaction of uh, you know it's armchair quarterbacking you know you wait just long enough and you hear someone say we could have won but as someone who did his part in the war I can tell you that we're certainly not recovered from the war and she goes but you know, uh, she goes but we, uh, we we didn't lose the war the Membari did surrender. Once again, it's more about, you know, semantics than anything else. Uh, because the Membari surrendered, let's ignore the reason why they surrendered, um, which was more of a religious decision uh, than anything. Let's let's look at the, the facts. They were steamrolling Earth. Steamrolling them. Just outright obliterating them it was a holy war and they and they killed even survivors of battles that's the reason why sheridan was able to destroy the black stars because he realized that they were doing that so he tricked them into thinking that they were you know survivors and then mined an asteroid blew them up boom stealth technology doesn't do much against a massive explosion and the battle of the line was a last desperate attempt to hold the line that's why it's called the battle of the line and everybody who signed up for it knew they were going to die this was a suicide mission in hopes of saving what le what was left of humanity there was no other option there was no winning but because the Mimbari surrendered and technically the humans didn't lose the idiots who see everything through a patriotic lens and armchair quarterbacking, as Sheridan says, can look at it and go, but we didn't lose. It's insane. Uh, it, it, it's literally uh, patriotism and jingoism taken to furthest extremes. And they will continue to grow and fester. Uh, you know, patriotism is the belief in your country, but it's the belief in your country for only so far. You you are more than willing to see the faults in your country. I'm more than willing to call out your country when it does something wrong, immoral, or 
takes a wrong turn. Jingoism is the firm belief your country is always right no matter what. And you combine those two and you get a deadly combination. Nationalism. Nationalism breeds horrible, horrible things. And that that is what happens. And that's what's happening on Earth. It's sad to see. We even see it again. Actually, it was even earlier in the episode. It's near the beginning where Cynthia mentions about the the, the Mars riots and the, you know how they're resisting the or the Earth the Earthborn majority. Uh, obviously, that's a bit of a massive overstatement, considering a large majority of Mars either wants to be independent or at least given a given some additional rights. But whatever. Um, this episode, the way it frames everything is just so perfect. And the way we get to see the Narn Centauri conflict on a much smaller scale, so it's less about, uh, you know, big battles and stuff. It's, it, it, we, we see it, we saw how the individuals react, individuals on the station, uh, a few episodes ago. In this episode, we see, uh, the basic trade ships of both the Narn and Centauri are passing through neutral space. They should be just fine. But then fights break out between them because the Narn believe the Centauri are shipping weapons, in particular weapons of mass destruction, such as, you know, uh, mass drivers and other uh, and other highly destructive weapons, bioweapons, etc. Uh, and of course this can't be tolerated, but Babylon 5 is a neutral is neutral is a neutral station, it's a neutral territory. Narns and Centauri shouldn't be fighting. And it, 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 we, we even see that Sheridan has to balance that when they start duking it out and he has to respond, but both governments say that if you fire upon us, it's considered an act of war. So he has to figure out ways around everything. But he also has to act good for the camera because he knows the cameras are acting on him. And we even see at one point where he threatens to throw both Londo and Jakar into the brig for their willingness to go along with this. And he has to stop himself and then reaffirm what he says uh, in a much nicer tone to avoid appearing uh, incredibly um, incredibly forceful. to the to, to the cameras and i and, and we learn a lot of interesting things notice how each side both the Narns and the satari twist facts twist uh concepts and uh and, and and ideas and current events to frame their argument um once again every argument has three sides your side their side and the truth the the centauri frame all their actions as ways to help the narn to liberate the narn and then they they in the and we left of our own fruition the narn uh claim you know the the centauri are aggressive and they continue to invade and no one will stop them and they enslaved us and that we only drove them off our world when we made it unprofitable to them and Every single one of their arguments, both the Narn and the Centauri, are continuing the cycles of violence. Uh, they punched me. Every, everything they can be said can be uh, pointed down to. Uh, I, you know, it can be come down to. They punched me. I'm gonna punch back. The bullied become the bullies. Um, it's it's literally two kids fighting in the playground. It's 
it's racial it's racial tension and prejudice brought to no ideological point there is no there's nothing they are fighting for more than just simply i want to hurt you both sides um certainly the narn are more sympathetic than the centauri uh and the, the 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 issue there is that they've lit hatred blind them so any sympathy you have for them is quickly evaporated once you realize that they have no long-term goal more than simply i'm going to punch the centauri as hard as i can until they bleed that's literally all they want um it's not a sustainable ideology it's not freedom it's not um any kind of uh rights they're simply fighting because they want to hurt them that's not that's not just that is not a good justification for anything sooner or later some stuff is going to happen uh the cycles of violence only breeds more violence uh and we perpetuate it with our continuing actions of hatred and violence and prejudice and the only way to get rid of that to wipe away those problems but those problems will always plague us and uh sooner or later extremists will come along and take those to their furthest extremes uh i i, I love the story that jakar tells about his father um and in, in, in how emblematic it is of a uh of what basically um privilege does to someone what privilege does uh and and what power does power so power enables someone and gives them privilege privilege then enables them to hide from the consequences of their actions to justify their actions by simply saying they have the right to do things so you combine power and privilege together and you get a deadly combination for some of the worst of society jakar's father was a servant and he accidentally spilled a cup of hot jala so just a basic drink probably the equivalent of coffee on his mistress she responded by having him hung from a tree and tortured and then slowly killed power and privilege enables the worst in us and as we see his mistress simply took out her anger and frustration because if you spill something on you you get angry you get flustered but because she has the power and the privilege to do whatever she wants and her words carry weight in her rash anger she had someone killed for it and if you let that mentality continue to fester that slowly becomes your entire identity and it corrupts you slowly but surely and that's what happened to the centauri it's it's horrible and we've seen it many times in real life let them eat cake for instance no the french uh, you know for the the french reign of terror this what caused it well, one of the many things that caused it is it's horrible um the final thing i want to talk about before i uh, i i head out here uh is 
the Psychor commercial. What I love about it is that you're not expecting it, because while this is framed as a news report, uh, and they do, and Jameis gets kind of fourth wall breaky with, uh, you know, and now a word from our sponsors, or you know, after these messages, that kind of thing, and we only get one cutaway, which was at the very beginning, uh, which was, you know, th 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 this th this broadcast is brought to you by IPX Interplanetary Expeditions, uh, which is a nice callback to infection, by the way, but. The Psychor commercial comes out, and you're not re you're not paying attention. You're not ex you're you're not expecting it. And at first, you're like, okay, this is a bit odd. And it's intentionally done to be a parody of infomercials, of uh, like stupid infomercials from the '90s, which is the time this was coming out. And those kind of infomercials still fucking exist. That's the sad thing. And they're just as cheesy and stupid as they were then. And it's honestly some of the scariest propaganda I've seen. Once again, the news within of itself is a massive propaganda piece. It is trying to sway people's opinions whether B5 is worth funding or not. And we will continue, continue to see the media used as a propaganda machine, and it will continue to be a theme throughout the rest of B5, especially in particular episodes, um, such as the illusion of the truth, as I mentioned, when we do this kind of thing again, where we see a, a, the, a new news broadcast about B5. Eisen still is trying to maintain a certain impartiality and objectivism. Uh, and they, but ultimately there's no such thing as an unbiased reporter. Uh, and this commercial, uh, obviously uh, being government funded, because it's the side core, uh, and it has subliminal messaging in it. Now, granted, the subliminal message, which is, uh, you know, trust the core, the core is your friend, or whatever, uh, is uh, appears more uh, it appears more easily readable uh, and visible than an actual subliminal message. I believe it's like it plays it uh, at uh, over over one sixth the speed of a normal subliminal message, allowing us to partially see it uh, compared to what a subliminal message is uh, speed is actually defined as. Um, but also, some of the sentences the said in the commercial are honestly pretty fucking terrifying and it's instilling a kind of fear in you they they uh the you notice how they immediately he just immediately knows the kid is a telepath implying that there's no way to hide that they will find you and even he has the line you know when the mother asks where can we find you he's like we're everywhere for your convenience honestly that's fucking terrifying uh honestly this is one of the when you think about it and you think about the slow decline of earth into totalitarianism into a regime of terror uh, a reign of terror a uh, dictatorship in this series and we've been seeing this slow decline ever since season one near the beginning and it keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling and sooner or later something's gonna give it's honestly terrifying to see how some things like that still happen today. It's a creepy as fuck. And honestly, it's one of the most terrifying concepts of this show. It executes horror better than most horror does. Because it's real, actual dread. Anyway, thank you for listening. I love this episode. It's one of my all-time favorites. It is not my favorite uh, of all time that's coming later this season we're actually getting pretty close to it but anyway i shall see you next time for in the shadow of zaha doom 
Until then, see ya. Bye. Thank you.